Hey, welcome to the Neighbors Church podcast and the fourth installment in our values series as we're looking at our core values that help determine our decisions and the actions that we take as a community. We're looking at a couple of different bodily practices, silence and solitude last week, and today we're looking at um, Sabbath keeping as means of producing these postures of heart in our society, postures of simplicity. Uh, postures of stillness. So our teaching is going to be from Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. If you're not driving or running or doing dishes, I invite you to grab your phone or a Bible, read along with me in the text. Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, The Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Father, we just invite you to help us understand this passage and apply it to our own lives in our modern-day context. So I opted to start our church with this series on our core values of simplicity and stillness and spirit because our values shape a particular way of living. Values, what we value, shapes and forms a particular way of being in the world. So, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we actually know it or not, we are all constantly being shaped and formed by something. Uh, We are malleable. That is to say, our souls are like soft clay. And so, we are always being formed by whatever influences we allow in. Instagram shapes us, our parents shape us, our professors shape us, our peers shape us, our calendars shape us, our values, they shape us. So the question is never, am I being shaped? It's always, what is shaping me right now? And our values of simplicity and stillness and the practices that create hearts aligned with simplicity and stillness are extremely influential in shaping our lives in a particular way. Simplicity, it compels us to build our core identity on God's love and our childlike relationship with Him. Simplicity challenges us to not allow material wealth and status and technology and the complexity of our culture and power to form our worth. Stillness, stillness slows us down and attunes our souls to God's love and His presence and His activity. Stillness actually resists the shaping of this frenetic and anxious culture that's constantly pushing us. And that's the point. Jesus intends his church to be a counterculture within our culture. And that might be better stated that the church, what Jesus intends within the church is that we are a kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven. And the way of the kingdom is upside down and backwards from the ways of the world. The world says more and bigger and faster. The kingdom says less. Value the small. Slow down and savor. So last week we talked about silence and solitude uh, as a means of simplifying 
and creating stillness of life. Today, we want to explore the second practice that for myself and my, my family personally has proven to be one of the most formative practices that we have ever embraced in all of our Christian walk. And that is the practice of Sabbath keeping. So this teaching is just a 100,000-foot intro to this topic. It is a massive topic and a massive idea throughout the Bible, and we're going to be coming back to it over and over in the life of Neighbors Church. So what exactly is Sabbath? What exactly is Sabbath-keeping? I like Queen's pastor, uh, Pete Scazzaro. I like his explanation and his definition. He says, Sabbath is a 24-hour period that entails four specific qualities— Stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating God. So I just want to flesh those four qualities of Sabbath-keeping out just a bit for us. Number one, Sabbath-keeping is stopping. To practice Sabbath is to, to literally stop from all work, all study, anything that is us as humans producing and putting out into the world, paid and unpaid, we are to become, in some senses, unproductive for that 24-hour period. We're to cease producing. We're to stop working. Number two, we're to rest as we keep the Sabbath. The day of Sabbath is committed to restorative activities, things like naps. If it feels restoring, take a slow walk, enjoying delicious food that's already been prepared the Friday beforehand or the Saturday beforehand, whatever day before you choose to keep this, this Sabbath practice. Three, delighting. To practice Sabbath, you take a 24-hour period and you commit to enjoying God and enjoying other humans and enjoying creation. Sabbath is a day to delight in everyday activities, to, to stop and smell the roses, literally in some cases. I love going on walks with my family on our Sabbath day, on our family day as we've come to call it, and we'll set out to do a half-hour walk, and it usually ends up being about an hour because here in beautiful San Diego, about every hundred or so meters, my wife has to stop and say, oh my gosh, did you smell these flowers? Oh my goodness, did you smell these flowers? And we have to stop and just... Behold the beauty of the incredible fauna of this gorgeous city that we now get to live in. And so delighting. It's a day of celebrating air in our lungs and friendship and family. It's a day of, of just seeing the beauty of God in everything. And then that brings us to the fourth aspect of Sabbath keeping, according to Schizero, and that is contemplation. There's an attuning of our heart and soul and mind to seeing God in all that we're doing. And so Sabbath keeping is not necessarily Netflix binging. We're not shutting off our minds. We're actually turning on our minds and our focuses. Now, Netflix binging can be part of that if your heart and mind and framework is set up in a way where you're saying, this will be restful and I'm seeing God in this process. Um, contemplating on Sabbath is learning to see and feel and know God in all things. I like to say that Sabbath is about seeing God, seeing us. Sabbath is about learning to see God through the day, seeing us as his loved children. It's wonderful. Now, just by way of quick exhortation, I think it's important to note, Sabbath takes place after six days of hard work. <laughs> you know, in Genesis, God rejoiced and he reveled 
in what he had accomplished after six hard days of creative work. Sabbath is not seven days a week. Sabbath is not, oh my goodness, I need another Sabbath because my Sabbath yesterday didn't take care of my needs. Sabbath is one 24-hour period after six hard days of work. And I can say that after six hard days of work, Sabbath becomes something that you revel in and you're able to reflect well on what God accomplished through you in the past and look forward to what he wants to do in you in that coming week. Now, I said as I opened this teaching that practicing Sabbath has radically formed my family. Practicing Sabbath can radically shape this new forming family called Neighbors Church. Sabbath keeping can shape our community from the very beginning. And and that idea that focusing on one day to focus on God can shape an entire community of people that might be strange to you. You might be asking, like, that's weird. How, How can a community of people be shaped by just taking a day off to rest and contemplate and and celebrate God. My wife and I, we spent 11 years in Seattle before moving to San Diego. And this was during the height of like the Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, Legion of Boom days. And uh, 2014 was the rise of the Seahawks to their first ever and now only Super Bowl win in in that year. Uh, there's a reason that CenturyLink Field was considered and is still considered one of the loudest stadiums in all of the NFL. I've, I've been in there. It's like sitting in a jet engine. And it's because Hawks fans on that one day, they are devoted. And I'll be honest, most of them, including myself back in the day, we were all a little bit unhinged. <laughs> so living in Seattle in 2014, the entire city literally would be looking forward to that Sunday's game. Preparations would begin long in advance for, for, for the Sunday game. So like beer guys, there would be beer guys that would be brewing special beers for certain games months in advance. Uh, the barbecue guys, they would start their, their slow cooking on Saturday mornings. And jerseys would be put on Friday as soon as work was done and worn throughout the weekend. So during the week, countless conversations reviewing last week's mistakes and victories and then looking forward to this perspective game that weekend, it filled workplaces and classrooms and dinner table conversations. And I hate to say this, but if a kickoff was at 10 a.m. on Sunday, churches throughout the city of Seattle would be emptied because in a lot of ways, the Hawks took priority over Jesus. Sad but true. Sunday Seahawk football in Seattle shaped the contours and the conversations, the preparations, and even the apparel of an entire city. And Sabbath can have the same shaping effect on us as God's people. We are to look forward to it. We're to prepare for it. We're to live out of it. And we're to let it shape the contours of our week past and the hopes for our week ahead. Sabbath is this time of total, uh, if you will, unhinged devotion to God. And everything else gets set aside for that time. Taking that entire 24-hour period of time to worship and celebrate God, when we do that as a committed community, intentionally and rhythmically, it makes us look very different from our neighbors, who most of are, are working seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and don't know how to unplug. And, and I think it's worth saying that even if you weren't a football fan in Seattle in that year, Everybody wanted to be because everybody knew that this community was marked by their devotion to the Hawks. 
And so too, there's something attractive about a community of people who are shaped by this Sabbath-keeping practice, producing simplicity and stillness and, and rest and, and restoration. You know, Sabbath is really an act of resistance against the lie that we must always be on, must always be plugged in, must always be going, must always be doing. Sabbath is actually an act of war against the influences that want to destroy us whether that's our culture that's like a runaway train or from powers and principalities and demons that deceive us and rob us of the abundant life that Jesus longs for us to live. And so from our passage that we read at the beginning, there are two ways to think about the practice of Sabbath. First, there's the religious legalist who deforms Sabbath from a day to stop, rest, rejoice, and contemplate The religious legalist takes Sabbath and deforms it into a day of strict observance to keep oneself right with God. Now, this was the case with Jesus's opponents, most often called the Pharisees by the gospel authors. In fact, at the center of many of the conflicts with the Jewish elites of Jesus's day, they were upset about Jesus's apparent laissez-faire attitude to Sabbath keeping, in contrast to the way that they interpreted Sabbath law in Torah and in their traditions. In our story, Jesus wasn't only allowing his disciples to pluck and eat heads of grain, a big no-no. He was countering the Pharisees' opposition by pointing back to their greatest king, King David. And he highlighted for them that David did the same thing. He did that which technically broke the letter of the law, but they still respected him. The Pharisees had developed all sorts of accompanying rules to ensure that the Sabbath was not broken, the letter of the law. And the Pharisees had come really to, they they lived in fear. They lived with this incessant need to control. And in this sense, Sabbath had become for them about, instead of resting and ceasing work, Sabbath for them had become about doing the hard work of being right, being in control. Now, we have to nod our head and tip our hat to them. Their effort at obedience, I believe it was noble, but their outward obedience, their their flesh obedience to the letter of the law had caused them to inwardly lose the heart of God. They were working to be faithful to God's commands, but their overzealous interpretations had caused them to neglect God's justice and God's goodness and his love for humans. So at first, when folks are introduced to Sabbath keeping, this can be a real issue. People can feel guilty about not doing it, or maybe your work schedule doesn't allow for you to do it, and you just feel shame and guilt that, wow, I'm not able to commit to a full 24 hours off. Um... Early on, people can get kind of crazy about trying not to break the Sabbath day. I've been tempted to do this myself, to become legalistic about it at times, where you add all these extra rules and you can't do this, you can't do that, because that's breaking the Sabbath. Well, that's not really resting. That's not really delighting. That's working hard to be right. Now, the more common way of thinking about Sabbath in the modern Protestant church is to not think about it at all. Now, it's true. We are not Old Testament Jews. And we are not required by Torah to keep the traditional Sabbath. 
But Jesus highlights something from our passage that I want us all to consider very deeply. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Let me just emphasize something. He says, Shabbat, the Sabbath, it was made for humans. Sabbath was made for humans, and God gave us Sabbath as a gift. This means that to not even consider keeping some sort of Sabbath practice, that's really to leave this immensely good gift from our immensely good God on the table and walk away from something so powerful and so transformative and so restorative. Jesus viewed Sabbath as a gift created for humans, and that's how we actually want to explore it here at Neighbors Church. Sabbath was a gift from the very beginning of creation. Sabbath is actually interwoven into the fabric of how the universe works. So in Genesis 1 through 2, the author recounts the creation story, and he concludes with God making humans in his image, Imago Dei. And at the pinnacle of all of God's creative process, God sets apart the seventh day, he calls it holy, and he rejoices, he delights in the work that he has concluded. I'll read for you. Genesis. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Old Testament scholar Michael Morales, he argues and he proposes that we can't fully grasp the significance of God creating humans on the sixth day if we don't see the creation of humans on the sixth day in light of the seventh day Sabbath practice. Here's, here's what he proposes. He says, this is a little bit lengthy quote, but it's worth it. Morales says, the extensive description of humanity's creation on the sixth day is primarily for the sake of understanding the prospect of communion with God on the seventh day. As the crown of creation, humanity is made in the image and likeness of God the Creator. No doubt, this status entitles Adam and Eve, male and female, to rule and subdue the rest of creation. But the primary blessing of being created in God's image is in order to have fellowship with the Creator in a way the other creatures cannot. What Morales is saying is in line with Jesus' statement that Sabbath was made for humans. Specifically, Sabbath was given by God as a day for humans to revel in relationship with their Creator. Sabbath is about the gift of relationship, union with God. Practicing Sabbath is about receiving the day as a gift to deeply worship God. Sabbath is about intimate union with God, and Sabbath is a gift that restores. God's heart is not about us keeping the letter of the law and working hard to be right. God's heart is about nourishing us, feeding us, comforting us, and seeing us thrive. From our passage, Jesus highlights that King David and his men, they were hungry. So they ate bread that under normal circumstances should not have been eaten. And God did not strike them with lightning. 
And Jesus argues that his disciples, they can pluck heads of grain on the Sabbath because God's heart isn't to deplete and demand of his humans. It's to nourish them and see them thrive. Rhythms of Sabbath cannot be ignored unless we actually begin to diminish our actual health. So it's interesting to me. Sleep scientists say that every cell in our body has a circadian rhythm. Our entire makeup, really our entire biological being, it's calibrated by these internal clocks. And every cell requires time of output and then rhythmic time of restoration, time of work, and then time of rest. It's not just for sleep. Every cell in our bodies is operating on this work, rest, output, restore kind of principle. When we humans, when we deny those rhythms of work and rest, output and restoration, and we, we become sleep, uh, sleep anemic and we are lacking rest and we're not being restored, then of course we end up being full of constant anxiety. We feel like we're under this constant state of low-grade fatigue and it just completely wears us out. And all of us know that when we're exhausted, we're not truly ourselves. We become depressed. We get grumpy. And that's because sometimes we just need a good, long nap. God made us with such physical limits that literally within every 24-hour period, we have to go unconscious for a minimum of seven to eight hours in sleep. That's how limited we are. We have to go unconscious for him to restore us every 24 hours. Sabbath practice is like honoring spiritual circadian rhythms for our souls. Now, Sabbath is anything but unconscious, but it carries the same necessary healing power. It's a weekly time of refilling all that's been depleted. Sabbath is about restoring the the diminished. It's about replenishing the drained. It's about repairing the broken. In this sense, Sabbath is a weekly reminder that we are indeed human, that we have limits. Keeping Sabbath is a weekly reminder that the world, it will actually function without our effort. The sun will still come up. Sabbath helps us to see that flowers are incredible if we'll stop and see them and smell them and give thanks. And Sabbath reminds us that we're not God. We are his limited humans in relationship with his limitlessness. So from the beginning, the thing that got us all in trouble was the lie that we could be like God only without God. Practicing Sabbath is the opposite of that. As apprentices of Jesus, we don't practice Sabbath to be right with God. We practice Sabbath to remind ourselves that God loves us and did what was necessary to make us right with him through Jesus' death and resurrection in our place. Jesus is our ultimate Sabbath rest. His work on the cross achieved the means by which we are forgiven of our sin and gained total victory over the powers and principalities that imprisoned us. Jesus' statement in our passage The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That's not a cryptic statement. He was declaring, he was claiming that he is the true king of all creation and that even the Old Testament laws would now have to be observed in light of his reign. 
Jesus was declaring that he was the fulfillment of all religious observance and obedience now was to be solely unto him as a response to his gracious love. The great Manhattan gospel preacher, Tim Keller, he highlights this good news saying, when Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus means that he is the Sabbath. He is the source of deep rest we need. He has come to completely change the way we rest. The one day a week rest we take is just a taste of the deep divine rest we need. Jesus is its source. So as we wrap this up, I want to encourage you this week, sit down with your calendar, set aside 24 full hours to practice Sabbath. Now, if your work situation doesn't allow for that, for the full 24, then set aside 12 hours, set aside eight hours. The point being, set aside a a time in your week to stop, rest, delight, and contemplate Jesus fully. In the coming years of our church, I pray, I do pray that we're going to be a community formed by simplicity. And I pray that stillness is going to attune our hearts to God's love and presence and, and activity. And I pray that we'll be exploring bodily silence and solitude as a means of acquainting ourselves with ourselves. And that in those times of silence and solitude, we will experience ourselves as loved by God. We'll see him seeing us. And I truly hope that as an act of loving obedience with much more intensity than the city of Seattle did, even for her beloved Seahawks, with much more intentionality, that our community will take a day a week to stop and rest and delight and contemplate God and live out of that intimate union with him. I know this is what we all need for our souls. We need our souls healed so that we can be a community of soul healers. And I believe that this is what the world needs. The world needs communities of humans that are shaped by these practices and these values for their well-being, for their flourishing. Blessings on you. Rest well.